welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Have you ever experienced the resume black hole? That dreaded abyss your resume falls victim to when you click submit after spending countless exhaustive hours searching and applying for numerous jobs online. And then you sit and wait, and wait some more, only to get nothing but those automated thank you confirmation receipt emails. That's it. Nothing. Nothing but frustration and disappointment. Sound familiar? In this episode, you'll meet Jenna Viviano and hear her perspective on how to avoid the resume black hole and land your dream job. Jenna is a career coach and an entrepreneur who knows what it's like to go through multiple career changes. She's worked on Wall Street as an investment banker, reported live from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, and scored a job at a growing career startup, The Muse, before launching her professional development business. Her sweet spot is helping ambitious female professionals articulate their personal branded career stories to land their dream jobs via her signature program, Recruit the Employer. Jenna has worked with over 800 clients from around the world and has been featured on Business Insider, Monster, Glassdoor, Bustle, The Muse, and Grit and Virtue. She's created courses for LinkedIn, LinkedIn Learning, and her resume work is highlighted in the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The New Rules of Work. Jenna also speaks on various platforms about the intersection of work, branding, and faith. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Jenna and learn about her free masterclass on how to land your dream job. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you on and know that our listeners are going to love listening to your episode and all of the uh, great tidbits you're going to share around your area of expertise, which is branding, which is so important for um, people to really focus on nowadays in this digital world. I mean, your digital footprint, people can find all kinds of things everywhere. So brand is super important. (laughs) So without further ado, let's dive right in. Uh, Let's, you know, share with the audience a little bit about who you are, who's Jenna, tell us your story and what you've learned along the way. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and just share a little bit more. But um, as you mentioned, my name is Jenna Viviano Dune. Actually, I keep on forgetting my new last name because I just recently got married. Congratulations. Um, but thank you. Um, but I am an ex-Wall Streeter turned career coach. So I started off my career in investment banking and realized quite quickly that that lifestyle was super not for me. Mm. Um, And over the series of five years, I worked at three different companies and had four different jobs um, before I launched my own business and started that full time. So I know a thing or two about rebranding yourself, reinventing yourself and career changing. And now what I help do is help other women Mm -hmm. um, who are looking to make career changes, help them brand themselves without feeling super sleazy in the process. 
Mm, fantastic. So yes, definitely know um, Wall Street. I worked at Goldman Sachs for many yeah. years um, in, in uh, diversity and inclusion and understand the challenges of, of working in kind of those intense types of environments. Mm -hmm. But um, I love your, you know, how you're helping women transition. Um, help us understand a little bit about like, that's a really big decision, right? When you yeah. are making a difficult decision um, and it's, it can be risky, right? So how did you, how do you help and how did you decide at the end of the day, this is not for me and I need to make a decision to do something else? How did you make that decision? Yeah, for myself, I can I can speak probably more clearly to that. Mm -hmm. Where I was, when I went left investment banking, I went and worked at the New York Stock Exchange and I was there for about two years. And mm -hmm. it was, I always joke that they saved me from investment banking and helped me realize that I was bad at finance while working on Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was, I got to this point where I started to explore what, and ask the question of, what am I actually good at? What do I like doing? Mm -hmm. And am I doing that right now? And then the follow-up question to that was looking to people that were senior to me in my organization. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but <laughs> saying, oh gosh, I don't want their job. And it was this moment where I had to have a reckoning with myself and start to get to work and do a little bit of research about myself mm -hmm. and about the industry and about the marketplace. So when I'm working with women, we go through a very similar process where I encourage them, hey, if you are having this nagging feeling and you've, you've been having this nagging feeling for six months to a year, it's probably not going away and it's probably not friction within your organization. It's probably a sign that it's time to start looking at that. Mm. So that was the impetus for me personally. And when I'm working with women, we start asking those questions, those hard questions that are really uncomfortable and can feel really scary. But I can promise you when you get to the other side of those questions, it's very freeing, it's fulfilling. And I actually found work that I love doing. Mm. And tell me a little bit about, like you said, identifying those strengths and, you know, really understanding what are the transferable skills mm -hmm. in terms of pursuing a different career path? You know, what did you what did you do to identify like, OK, don't like what I'm doing on Wall Street, mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to take this completely different path. How did you identify those strengths? Yeah. So I would say there's four steps really to that process. Um, mm -hmm. I would say the first thing is evaluating. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And asking people around you. So not only your peers and your coworkers and your boss, but even your friends, like, what do you think I'm good at? Because sometimes mm -hmm. your friends actually might know more than your coworkers. Right. So it's that evaluation piece. And once you start to kind of get some pieces together, it's starting to explore. So that's phase two. Mm -hmm. And that's where you go. And my best recommendation for most people is to find companies that you know, companies that you love, maybe it's name brands, maybe it's something, a product that you use all the time, mm -hmm. go to their careers page and start to see what sparks your joy to use a Marie Kondo quote, right? right. Like what sparks joy for you? What looks exciting? Don't evaluate yourself. Don't ask like, could I do this? Just what looks interesting to you. Mm -hmm. And then from there to start to have conversations with people with either in those types of organizations or in different fields to start to understand and to synthesize some information together and really understand, is this something I'm interested in? Is this something that's viable to me? Now, where do I help bridge the gap? And that's the stage four, which is really synthesizing it. Mm. So explore, or I'm sorry, evaluate, explore, conversation. And the last piece is about synthesizing all that information together. That's fantastic advice. And tell me, I know that, you know, in this whole process, right, you're going to get flooded with some fears and limiting beliefs and all kinds of things. What are some techniques that have helped you overcome those things? 
Well, first of all, knowing that's normal, <laughs> that's the biggest piece of the puzzle is knowing that everybody, you know, I've worked with people that were early in their career all the way to senior level executives. And mm-hmm. I've asked the same question, do you ever deal with imposter syndrome? And every single person, even the most accomplished person in their field feels like an imposter from time to time. So when I'm dealing with that with myself, even in my own business, I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm not alone in that. So that's really mm-hmm. helpful. I think the first thing. And the second thing is you really need to be working on your mindset on a daily basis. My entrepreneurial friends, they know this. We like are, we're wired to think like this. We've gotten training on it, I feel like. But my nine to five ladies, my corporate women, if you're listening, um, we are not taught how to really deal with our mindsets on a day-to-day basis to make sure that we are showing up as our most authentic selves. And mm-hmm. that's what I feel like. I, if I could do anything in life, it's to help women recognize that they have what it takes to overcome a lot of what they're facing through their mind. Mm. And as we're talking about women in corporate, because both of us have been there, I had a 20 plus year career navigating the corporate culture. What do you think was the biggest challenge or what what do you think is holding, you know, holds women back in a corporate setting like that? A lot of different things, (laughs) but I think (laughs) the, the main thing is not as confidence. And I think that was one of those things where as I worked with more women, and the reason why I decided to solely work with women, because I used to work with men and women alike, and I enjoyed working with both. Some of my best bosses were men. And so I had no problem with that. But I realized that women just wouldn't even apply to jobs that they weren't at least 95 to 99% qualified for. Mm-hmm. Like, unless, and so right. there's like, they're not even showing up to the plate. Right. And so when I realized that, in my own career, whether it was because of my upbringing or whatever, I just like went for it. I didn't even care. I was had no fear of rejection where I feel like a lot of women have a major, major fear of rejection. So they don't, it's like self-sabotage. They don't even put themselves in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I wish that more women would just put themselves out there and just go for it and not worry, get really, really friendly with rejection. Because I believe that when we get friendly with rejection, we our opportunities become really limitless. I don't know if do you relate to that at all? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, just in my career personally, you know, early on in my career when I wasn't really, um, I, I was very naive and thinking I did have to check all the boxes, right? If there was a mm-hmm. job a job description that had 10, you know, 10 things, I'd have to check all 10 of them before I said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I could apply. Where, you know, the statistics are startling, right? The research shows yeah. that, you know, women, like you said, want to have 99% of the skill set. And men will check the box like 40% of the way and throw their name in the hat and say, dude, I'll figure out the rest of it, right? Um, And so, and I did that, right? I used to head up, you know, diversity recruiting at at one of the firms I worked for. And I was always floored how the guys immediately were like, oh, yeah, I could do this job or that sounds pretty cool. I'll try it out. And the women were like, "Mm, are you sure? Maybe I should wait or I need to... Mm -hmm. So get more skills or get more certifications or yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, talking a little bit about that, I mean, um, in the whole job market, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. we, you know, women should just really apply for these dream jobs, or these jobs that they have the skill set or competency or know that they can develop the skill set mm-hmm. or the competency. Um, you know, how do, you know, I was reading really interesting thing, I think in your bio where you said, you know, how do you get a job without even applying online? So I'm curious, of like, <laughs> how do you give some advice of how do they look, start looking for this job, the dream job, especially if they're looking to transition careers? I think the key to all of this, that if I could tell 
every new grad out there <laughs> because I've worked, again, worked with people from all stages is network early, network often, and don't only network when you need something. I think networking has gotten this really bad reputation over time and it feels sleazy and uncomfortable and we don't like it. And really, when you think about networking in its purest form, all that it is, is mutually beneficial professional relationships that are developed over time. Mm-hmm. So the problem that a lot of people face and the reason why it's very frustrating in the job market, where I think there's a statistic, don't quote me exactly on this, but it's very high. It's like about 70% of jobs are filled through referrals. Yes. And so that should tell you a lot, right? Networking is a huge piece of the puzzle, but the problem is most people, men and women, don't network often and they don't make it a regular part of their life or the regular part of their career development. They only do it when they need something and that's the wrong time to be doing it. Can Mm -hmm. it work? Yes, but you need to be doing it throughout your career. So I would say the main thing comes down to having conversations often, all the time, following up with people, having kind of your list of target list of people that you're constantly reconnecting with. Mm -hmm. Um, That I feel like is the key to finding success in the job market today. And I feel like the job market in the future. That's um, extraordinary and great advice because it's so true. I mean, it, you are you are right, and it's actually north of seventy percent of the jobs yeah. they get. I trust fi- your stats they, better. <laughs> yeah, they, they get filled before they even before yeah. you even see them on the job posting, mm-hmm. right? Before you even see them black and white print on the on some sort of job board. There's probably already you know a hundred people who are being considered through referrals. So mm-hmm. um, absolutely, referrals are really big. That said, when you're talking about network. Networking. And like you said, some people have this like icky feeling around networking. And I always tell people, listen, you do want to keep your relationships warm and con- mm-hmm. constantly stay in contact because the last thing you want to do is have to microwave a relationship. Um, how do you um, advise people to gain access to influential leaders or influential people, new people that they haven't met that maybe they do want to connect with somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is making it a habit of reaching out to people because the reality is, I mean, I can even say for myself, when I was looking to make a transition, I was at the New York Stock Exchange and I was really heavily networking and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I reached out to a ton of people and a fraction of them responded back. But in that process, I got some really interesting conversations going that led to more conversations that led to more things. So it's kind of this like viral effect that networking has. Um, But part of it comes down to being especially if you have somebody like really influential you want to be in contact with. For instance, there was a woman that was an author years ago that I really admired. I admired the business she had built. And I reached out to her in a very personalized manner via email. Um, I would recommend people do this via LinkedIn or an email or some other interesting way to reach out to that person and be very customized in your approach. Don't write like a professional robot. Write like you would speak. (laughs) And um, to just build a relationship, it's not necessarily even to ask for something at first. It's to compliment them on the work that they're doing, to thank them for the resources that they provide. Mm -hmm. And then over time, you just keep on getting in front of that individual. Um, And then there might become a time where you can have an ask. It doesn't always happen. Um, But I know for myself, when I was reaching out to this author, I sent her an email and asked her very one specific question. And she sent me a long, long email back. And it was like the coolest thing ever for me. Right. And so I would just encourage you one to go for it. Quit being scared. <laughs> kind of that same. Quit being scared. Just get over it. Um, and I think it helps build that resilience to rejection. And I know for myself, I wanted to build that because 
fear of failure is a really big thing for myself. Right. Um, and so in order to get over that, I had to practice quote unquote failing. Um, mm -hmm. So a great way to practice that is reaching out to people that you admire. I love that advice. And I love how you said you reached out to so many people that, you know, a fraction came back to you. But sometimes I guess you lose track. Like if you're reaching out to 100 people and 20 people get back to you, you forget about the 80 who don't. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, 20 people got like, back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, it, so it's kind of like, okay, play the numbers game, reach out. Yeah. But I love how you said make it a habit. So what are some mm -hmm. other habits that you do to be successful in terms of one staying, you know, like you said, um, in the know, but um, as someone is starting to uh, look, you know, for different roles, what are what are the other key habits that you leverage in order to stay successful? Yeah. So I'd say specifically for job seekers, it can feel like the wild, wild west out there. There are thousands of job openings, but you feel like none of them ever get back to you. Um, there's so many people on LinkedIn you can connect with. It can just feel really overwhelming. So one, I would create a plan. You got to come in with a plan. You can't go into it haphazard because here's what usually happens. Okay. I'm really excited. I'm going to apply to about 50 jobs today. And then like two days later, you're like, okay, I mean, I'm really exhausted from that. Oh, maybe I'll apply to about 10. And then like three days later, you totally forget that you're applying to jobs. And it a month later, you're like, crap, I was applying to jobs. <laughs> so it's all about these small, sustainable habits where if you do five tasks a day, not even apply to five jobs a day, it's five tasks that help move the needle forward in your job search. That's the things that we talk about in my programs mm -hmm. of how do we make it sustainable so that you keep it going. It's kind of like weight loss. Like you can't expect to lose, if you're trying to lose you know, 10 pounds, for instance, you can't expect that to happen overnight. You have to do small, sustainable lifestyle changes to get it off and then keep it off. Right. Same thing holds true in the job search. So that's a specific habit there. But then if you're in a role and you're trying to grow within, you know, your company or you're trying to maybe I had a client, for instance, who was interested in getting on panels and trying to do speaking and build her personal brand. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting yourself in the habit of getting connected with individuals. So when I, when we were talking about that earlier, I have kind of my like top 10 list of people that I like to regularly keep in contact with mm -hmm. on a quarterly basis. I will reach out to them, whether it's personal, Hey, how's it going? I saw that you're doing X, Y, Z. I saw your company's doing X, Y, Z. How's your kids? Um, I build a relationship and that's very intentional. Like, yes, I want to get to know them more and I want to keep that relationship going, but I also want to stay top of mind for them in case they ever need anything from me. Right. No, that's actually really, really great advice in terms of, you know, just like you said, having that target, to, you know, top 10 list and then keeping kind of mm -hmm. mulling it through, but then the baby steps, right, of continuously just moving forward and celebrating those, right? Yes. Celebrating the fact that you did five tasks and you're moving forward yeah. and you're not just stuck in inertia kind of thing. So. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. Now, switching gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned it as well, because when you're looking for a job, and like you said, it's like, you know, so many people are out there looking for a job, even now, right during this environment of COVID and whatnot. How do you distinguish yourself? How do you stand out from a kind of branding perspective so that, you know, you do get more of the callbacks? Yeah. So I think there's multiple ways to go into that. We could talk about a lot of different things, but I really would advise people to think about the whole package. Mm -hmm. So one, don't feel bad because no one ever taught you how to do this. I think a lot of people feel frustrated, really accomplished women are like, why can't I get traction? I was always successful in school. This thing isn't working. Here's the deal. No one taught you how to do it. So get free yourself of the guilt of that. Like our colleges, unfortunately, just didn't do a good job. 
I've never heard of somebody come out of college and say, my career center was amazing. I just loved it. (laughs) No, said no one ever. Um, Yeah. yeah, No one told you it was going to be this hard. So it's totally normal that it feels hard. You're not the only one. And then I would say from a branding perspective, I really encourage people to look at their whole package. So think of themselves as a personal brand. Like at the end of the day, you are an asset to a company. You have something very unique to offer. And when people start thinking about themselves as a brand and themselves almost as a product or a service, Mm -hmm. it helps them start to reevaluate and and treat their career more like a marketer and less like a historian. So what a lot of people do think, okay, what have I done in the past? It's going to define what I'm going to be in the future. Where marketers really think about, okay, what do I have to work with? And how do I package that up into something that looks attractive to the people that I'm trying to sell myself to? Mm -hmm. So if you're going into an interview, you need to be thinking about what does the person on the other end of this interview care about? What are the things that they, what are the goals that they need? It's not really about you. It's about them. And Mm -hmm. when you can think of every single part of your marketing package, your LinkedIn, your elevator pitch, the way you network, um, maybe you want to do a video message, think of outside of the box ways to get yourself noticed. It all works together. It's just not one or the other. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, how should I do my resume or how should I do my LinkedIn? It's like, yeah, you should care about that. But also this thing matters here. It has to all work together cohesively. Right. No, I love that the whole package and really thinking Mm -hmm. of yourself as a product per se. But I love your analogy of like, you know, most people do look at a resume and it's this chronological thing of things that they've done. But like you said, a marketer is thinking about, okay, what do I have to work with? And how do I sell like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of forward thinking, right? Of like, okay, yeah. you need a, you like, here's this bridge, point A and point B, I'm the bridge to get to get yes. to understanding what that is. Well, I think a lot of people get offended by that. They're like, well, I can't lie. I'm not telling you to lie. I'm telling you to think strategically <laughs> about <laughs> your experience. Absolutely do not make something up. Right. So hear me when I say that it's more around. So for instance, myself, when I was transitioning out of the New York Stock Exchange, I was trying to get a sales job. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you, I have literally never had, a, I never had even had a retail job in college, like or high school. So I had no sales experience. But what I did know, and after doing a lot of research and through the first interview and just some connections connections that I had made internally, Mm -hmm. I realized what they needed. And I realized that I had some skills, albeit not exactly transferable, that would work within the organization. I was able to sell myself and end up landing the job Mm -hmm. in a sales role where I'd never done sales before. Um, And I asked my VP of sales, like, why did you hire me? I had no skills at all whatsoever. And he said, you were able to sell yourself in the process and show us that, yes, you don't have any B2B sales experience, but here's the things that you did bring to the table that Mm -hmm. I assured me that you were going to be able to get the work done. Mm. So that's just a, hopefully a little bit of encouragement to somebody who's like, I'm trying to make a massive career pivot. It's impossible. It's not impossible. It's just a matter of identifying for yourself. What are the things that the employer wants you to have and how do you fit that puzzle piece for them? Do you want to grow your impact as a change agent who ignites transformation in others, but you don't have a proven step-by-step method? Do you want to grow your visibility and influence as a thought leader to inspire others, but you don't know where to begin? The Beyond Barriers High Performance Executive Coach Certification is designed for experienced leaders who want to grow their impact and influence. Join this exclusive community of high achievers, advance your career as a leader, and experience the joy of helping others grow. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com and register for the webinar to learn more. 
That's that's really great advice. And and you know, and I've even heard, you know, individuals who, you know, like you said, part of the reason that they don't get hired is because they're not selling themselves, especially when they're applying for a sales job. And if you're not selling well, yourself, right. then like, you know, no, you're not gonna get the job. So I think that was really, you know, that's really telling in terms of um, you know, you are having to sell yourself and really identify what is it that they need and how can I fill those gaps for them. Mm-hmm. Um Thinking a little bit about, um, like you said, you applied for this job in sales. You didn't have any, you know, sales expertise. You did land the job, and now you have to hit the ground running, and mm-hmm. you really have to then be able to effectively execute. Um, what are some tips you can share on, you know, how do you then at that point start executing? Yeah, I think your job, the first three months on the job, the new job is to be a sponge. Like even I've noticed this, even whenever you are transitioning within the same company and maybe you're going to a different role or a different department, it takes a good three months to start to feel even remotely comfortable. So no, again, that's totally normal. But one of the things that I would do is I would make sure that you are connecting with everybody building relationships from the very beginning because relationships are going to help you succeed or not succeed. Mm-hmm. If you're just trying to be very task oriented and only worrying about the technical things you have to do well, that's not going to serve you well in the long term at that organization. You want to be building relationships, being a sponge, doing work outside of the office. You might need to for those first three months to really mm-hmm. get yourself up to speed, especially if you're making a big transition right. and that hard work will pay off. Um, so I always say go like sprint for, for, for the three months, if by six and 12 months, you're like, okay, I still can't hang, then it might not have been a great fit. But those first three months are supposed to feel hard. The tension is real. And that's totally normal. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely in terms of, you know, like you said, doing kind of a, a little bit of a 90 day kind of road show of like meeting mm-hmm. with the people and identifying those things and finding out what, you know, what the organization is like or what the role is like, and how can you help them? Correct. It's all about um, serving at the end of the day, like you actually are serving yourself by serving your coworkers. Yes. Um, it sounds counterintuitive, but it 100% works. <laughs> Which leads me to, to talk a little bit about building the relationships, right? And we talked yeah. about community and making sure that you were networking all the time. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that, you know, in the work that we do and working with, with women, you know, women hesitate when it comes to the idea of networking and maybe they do have a network, but then leveraging their network. They Mm -hmm. do a horrible job of really leveraging their network and asking for help. Um, What are your recommendations on that? Like, how do you ask for help and not feel like you are just taking? Yeah, it's actually a really funny, funny question you asked that. We had um, in my Recruit the Employer program today, um, it's a transitional program for women who are looking to change careers. I ask every single one of them, what is your ask of the other women in this group? Because I want them to get used to asking for something because mm-hmm. so many women do not. Right. <laughs> and most of them were like, I don't know what to ask for. And I was like, you need to practice this. So you're going to come back to me tomorrow and tell me what your ask is. But um, I would say the the best way to kind of leverage those relationships is I think the reason why women don't leverage them is they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel one confident in, in themselves, but then they don't feel comfortable in that relationship. Because mm. I know for myself, I, if I look back on my corporate life, um, anytime I felt uncomfortable to leverage a relationship, it was because I actually hadn't done the work of 
cultivating that relationship. When I had done the work of cultivating that relationship and getting to know the person as a whole person, not just, Hey, this is, I need this project done, but Hey, what, who are you as a person? And how can I even help you moving forward in your career? Then it wasn't scary to leverage those relationships. So I feel like women who are highly relational, Mm -hmm. if you are being very active and proactive in how you're relating to your coworkers, it's going to be a lot easier to have those asks and not feel guilty about it. Mm. And what's your advice on, you know, now with the, you know, in this current environment, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, artificial intelligence, the, just, you know, the digital revolution, everything is changing. What's your advice in terms of staying ahead, like keeping your skills, just, you know, staying ahead of the curve? What, what advice do you give? Yeah. Gosh, that's a hard one for me because I don't even know the answer. <laughs> I think part of it is, one of the one of the biggest ways that you can do that is to be reading industry news is to know what's going on. LinkedIn is a really it's a treasure trove not just to find jobs, not just to network with people, but there's a ton of great thought leadership content mm-hmm. on there and I learn things from my career coach peers who are posting things. Mm-hmm. Um so I'd say the biggest thing the biggest way to stay ahead of the curve isn't through necessarily it might be through formal education, but mm-hmm. it really is getting a pulse on what are people caring about in your industry? What's moving the needle forward? What do you need to pay attention to so you can innovate and get ahead? Mm-hmm. I think the problem with women most often is we wait for permission when sometimes we need to just mm-hmm. go ahead and go for it and right. bring our idea to the table with what we're seeing. I feel I feel like in corporate, it's really easy to wait for someone to tell us it's time, but we need to actually go ahead and have those conversations with people if we're seeing something happen in the marketplace. I love that. I love that because women do, you know, wait. And instead it's just like, just be proactive and do it. And, you know, yeah. don't defect, just keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of thinking about, you know, LinkedIn and, you know, standing out and um, really kind of branding yourself. How does someone leverage, you know, LinkedIn to kind of build your, your reputation and kind of um, become a thought leader? Like, how does somebody do that? What are, what are, like, where do they even begin? Yeah. So first of all, is making sure your profile is up to snuff. <laughs> um, I say your your LinkedIn profile is a thousand times more valuable than your resume because your resume only works for you when you submit it. Your LinkedIn profile is like passive income. It's going to make money for you while you sleep. Mm. So you got to make sure your profile, first of all, really communicates who you are, what you have to offer and why someone would want to hire you or, you know, as you were mentioning, hire you maybe to be a thought leader in their space, right? right. I do think that LinkedIn is going to become this place where everyday employees, not just entrepreneurs like myself, are going to be producing content. And that's going to be part of their differentiation package. Like I'm already seeing it happen. Um, And so one of the best ways to do that is to make sure your profile looks proper and that you are really communicating your value proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the second piece of the puzzle is producing thought leadership content on LinkedIn. So posting to LinkedIn. That can feel so scary for so many people, men and women alike. Um, But that's one of the things that when I work with women, I really encourage them to do because not only is this going to help them boost their confidence, they're going to, again, get friendly with rejection because some of their posts might bomb. But the other thing that they're going to do is they're going to start to be seen as the thought leader in their space. And what thought leaders do is they help attract more employees to their company, which is going to make them more attractive to future employers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think that the way of the future on LinkedIn for nine to fivers is producing thought leadership content. 
And when you say thought leadership content, because I get the mm -hmm. question all the time when we tell yeah. them to post and they're like, post about what? Sure. You know? Yes. <laughs> so well, how, what do you post? So I would I get I would get really clear on like three topics that are you're really passionate about. And when I was working with some clients on this, it would usually look like one of three things, an industry related subject matter. So maybe let's say you're in marketing and you're going to post about things that are going on in the space. For instance, maybe you saw an awesome marketing campaign and you want to provide commentary on it and why it was so amazing. That's one way to post. Right. Um, the second thing you could post about is your own thoughts around leadership development and women in the workplace. Like that's an easy place to get started of what you're seeing work. Stories are awesome. Think mm -hmm. back on your career. There's probably a zillion different stories of things that impacted you in your career that you could share. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to help you be seen as a female thought leader that's powerful and interested and, and thoughtful about what she's doing in her career. And then a third, another third thing that you could offer um, could be something that's totally miscellaneous. It could be things that you're just interested in. It could be resharing other people's posts. It doesn't have to be like you're producing all this new content all the time because that's exhausting. Um, but what it could look like is starting to identify what are the lanes I want to run in and be known for and then start to run in those. I love that. And I love how you said having three different topics so that you can have a variety of things. Yes. But sometimes the, you know, the kind of easiest posts are like, if you read something and it makes you go, ah, then yes. you know, use that and put your idea or your thought that <laughs> that you had and, and put that out there and kind of yeah. like start getting used to it. Um, Does, don't overcomplicate it. Doesn't yeah. need to be like some genius thesis. <laughs> right. What is your mindset or what is your advice? Because a lot of the women are like, yeah, well, you know, like you said, you put a post out there and it bombs or, mm -hmm. you know, you start measuring it by the number of likes or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you get. How do you get past that? Like, you know, when you put a post out there, like, how do you get keep that mindset of like, you're not going to sit there and try to track to see if it's trending? Yeah, it's habitual. I think it all goes back. To, I feel like I've been talking about habits a lot. Um, I would say for me, I just got in the habit of doing it every day mm. and I'm forcing myself to post more. Like in the very beginning, nobody read anything that I wrote. <laughs> like maybe people I worked with, which was the people I didn't want to read it, right? People that I used to work with, I was like so fearful that they were going to judge me. Mm -hmm. um, but I just kept going. And I I really make it a rule not to try to write for to be a viral post. Mm -hmm. um, because I think if you try to do that, you're missing the point. Mm -hmm. um, I write to provide value to people and to inspire people. That is my goal. And when you come at it from when I know that when I'm coming at writing from that perspective, the posts always sound more authentic. People actually get something out of it. And I don't really necessarily care if it got a 10,000 likes or zero likes. Right. Um, and you never know what's going to turn viral. One of my first viral posts that I ever had on LinkedIn, it had like 150,000 views in like less than 24 hours, was a post about business cards, like the most <laughs> unsexy topic ever. I, and I, I was controversial by saying business cards were dead. And you would have thought I told people to like go and jump off a bridge. Like people were so, <laughs> so crazy about their opinions about that. So all that to say is it is hard in the beginning, but you have to get used to it. And the other thing that I would recommend is that when you do start to get traction and people start to comment, just not live in the comments because you would be surprised that even on LinkedIn, there are trolls, haters, people who are trying to just be mm. dissenters and just create stir problems. And that has been the hardest part from to be in full transparency has been the hardest part as I've grown my following, mm -hmm. um, especially over this last year. I mean, whew, 
people can be mean, but you gotta, you got, you gotta, you gotta focus in of why you're doing it. Right. You've got to just let that roll off your shoulders yeah. and just kind of keep going forward and keep posting. Right. So, yes. And I love that advice. And I think it's, you know, and, and it's good advice just in life as well. Right. Like mm -hmm. you have to, one, suspend judgment of others, but also if people are passing judgment on you, not let it, just let it go. Just keep doing it's it. It's not going to serve you. Yeah. And I, I've, I deal with that with a lot of women who are, um, you know, frustrated with perhaps some things that are going on in the workplace. And, you know, I worked in finance. There were some inappropriate comments that were made to me in my career, and I'm not excusing that in the least. It's so inappropriate. But if I sat in that for myself, if I sat in that and I believed the things that they said about me, mm -hmm. I would have never gotten to where I got to. So on one hand, it's like, yes, that's wrong. Yes, we should report that. All those things are true. And right. also we can't let it. We have to kind of treat it when we hear those things like ping pong balls. And oftentimes right. I feel like so many women treat them like daggers where it like just pierces us or like um, like a burr where it just like touches. Like we can't like quite get it off where yeah. we really need to treat those comments like ping pong balls. Yeah. Just put on some Teflon, just yep. a, a suit of armor and just keep yes. forward. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. Yeah. You know, and some days can be harder than others, but if you're yes. just moving forward, I think that's fantastic. Well, in closing, this has been such a phenomenal phenomenal conversation. But in closing, what is, you know, what is the last piece of advice you would want to, um, to leave with our listeners as they are thinking about accelerating their success mm -hmm. um, in their current careers? I would encourage them to think about how their mindset might be holding them back. Um, the one phrase that I often tell clients is, if you don't believe that you can do the job, how can you expect an employer to? And so I want you to chew on that question and ask that for yourself. Like, am I, when I'm, you know, in the role that I'm in, or if I'm trying for a new role, do I actually believe that I deserve to be in the room? Because if you don't, it's going to show. And that's where you need to work on your mindset. It's a strategy will not fix it because I could give you all the strategies in the world, but if you don't believe you deserve to be in the room, you won't be in the room. Oh, wow. That's fantastic, Jenna. Thank you so much for Thank you. your pearls of wisdom. And I know that our audience is going to be super excited to want to continue to follow you, listen to all of your advice. Um, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you and um, get more of this? Sure. So there's two ways. Number one is on LinkedIn. So just search for my name, Jenna Viviano, um, and you're going to find me and tell me that you heard me on this podcast. And then the second way um, would be actually through our free masterclass. So if you're thinking about making a career change and you're wondering how to land your dream job without losing your resume to the online abyss, we would love to help you. And you can actually get that free training at jennaviviano.com slash masterclass. And we'll send that off to you too. Fantastic. Thanks, Jenna. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all resources for each show, including the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.